Well, good morning, Radiant. Um, my name is Nate. I am one of the pastors here at Radiant, and it's so good to be opening up the Word of God with you again this week on our last week of our summer sermon series, Radiant God Trusting His Word. Over the last six weeks, we've seen that God speaks to us through His inspired word. So when the Bible speaks, God speaks. And we are dependent on the Spirit of God to open our eyes to see His glory when we open the Bible. And the Bible tells us this beautiful, unified story of how God reigns, saves, and satisfies through covenant in Christ for His glory. And you and I are part of that story. And so we rejoice in his word, knowing that the Bible is sufficient, suficiente. In light of all that, this week, how do we trust God's word? What does it actually look like to trust God's word? Uh, this past week, I was talking with a friend about this exact thing. And at one point in the conversation, he said, honestly, uh, I believe that the Bible is God's word. And I hear the truth from scripture and by God's grace, I trust it. He goes, but sometimes I look at the world around me and I look at my current circumstances and then I look into God's word and it's not matching. And I'm not connecting things. And in those moments, I struggle to trust. I think that's so many of our stories, isn't it? And we have to start by remembering that trusting God's word isn't just a one-time event. It's a walk. We probably don't hear someone shout, trust the Bible, and walk away going, oh, I trust now. That was so helpful, thank you. We don't get up in the morning and look at ourselves in the mirror and just say, believe, and it's like, oh, it worked. I totally believe today. At different times of life, it can be more or less difficult to practically trust God in his word. A few weeks ago, my family, we went up to the Zionsville area and we were hiking on some trails that were up there and having a good time and out on the trails and we came to this one point where there was this old bridge and the bridge itself actually wasn't there anymore and it just had like the stone concrete like pillars that supported the bridge, one on either side of the creek and my kids thought it'd be a good idea fun to climb up those. So they climbed up, but once they got to the top, after being there a while and getting the picture and posting it like we're supposed to do and all that kind of stuff, they, uh, they got done and they realized, okay, um, we have to get down. Um, and it's gonna be a whole lot harder to get down this rock than it was to get up. And so they tried for a few minutes and they were having trouble and they were a little nervous even at that point. So I thought it'd be super helpful as dad to go over to the edge and say, uh, hey, just jump, right? I'll catch you. Trust me, just let go. And then I thought it'd be even more helpful just to keep repeating that louder and louder. 
with less and less patience. Come on, we have to keep hiking, let go. And at one point they're like, dad, this is not helpful. I'm like, but don't you trust me? And they're like, we do, but I'm about ready to let go of this thing. Just give me a second. Now the kids know that I'm trustworthy. They know that I love them. They've even acted on that trust in the past. But right then, in that moment, staring over the edge of the cliff, they were struggling to trust me. And we do too. How do we trust right now, today? Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it's in the first half of your Bible, it's around page 400 in mine. 2 Chronicles 20, as you're turning there, I just wanna give you a little context to kinda help us come to this Old Testament passage. Uh, Chapters 17 through 20 in 2 Chronicles cover the reign of King Jehoshaphat. At this point, the kingdom is divided and Jehoshaphat rules as the fourth king of Judah. And overall, he was considered a good king He was faithful to the Lord. And this chapter finds King Jehoshaphat and Judah facing something difficult, an invasion from three armies from the south and the east. And it's gonna illustrate for us what it looks like to trust God's word. Are you there? Chapter 20, look down at verse 20 to start this. This is right before they're getting ready to walk into battle, standing on the edge of war. And Jehoshaphat stands up in verse 20 towards the uh, second part of that verse, and he says this, hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. He's like, believe the Lord, And believe his prophets. In other words, believe his words through his prophets. Okay, now, this verse, read without the rest of the context here, would be like me standing at the bottom of that rock and just repeating, jump, just trust me, just believe, right? Not helpful, dad, especially when you repeat it, okay? But outside of its context here, it's kind of like that with Jehoshaphat. You're like, we're standing on the edge of battle. (laughs) We're looking the enemy in the face and you're just standing up going, believe. (laughs) We have to ask, how did he get to this place? How do Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah come to this place of belief? Let's look back to the beginning of the chapter and let's walk through this. Chapter 20, verse one says, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites and with them some of the Munites against, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. And some men came and they told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are already at Hezazon Tamar, that is, En Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and he set his face to seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord from all the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. Verse five. 
And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem and in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and they have built for you in in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and we will cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear, and you will save. Now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when we came into the land of Egypt, from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy, behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. How do we actually trust God's word first. First, we turn to him in prayer. We turn to him in prayer. I want us to even see four aspects of this prayer here. Look at verses three and four. It says, then Jehoshaphat was afraid and he set his face. He resolved to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord, from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. What do they do? The first thing they do when they're facing this challenge in front of them is they turn to God in prayer. And by doing that, they admit that they need his help. They come to the Lord in this humble posture of desperation and dependence. We've talked a lot over the last seven weeks about knowing God's word, okay? But, but remember, knowledge does not produce trust. Sometimes all that knowledge can actually just keep us from asking for God's help. Why? Because well, we already have all the answers and we forget that we can do nothing without him. You can know a lot But without God, you won't trust a lick of it. Verse 12, he says, for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. This is interesting because back in 2 Chronicles chapter 17, we see that Jehoshaphat had assembled a massive army. He had put together this massive, very competent military complex. Like it would have been very easy to say, well, of course we can take on this enemy. Look at our amazing army. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he approaches the Lord in this humble posture and says, we can do nothing, Lord, if you don't help. This military is pointless if you don't show up. 
as a side note, I love the emphasis here too on community. Uh, look at verse three and four. It says, all Judah comes. They assemble to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they come to seek the Lord. Later in verses 13 through 15, we see that the people of Judah come and they bring their families with them. Okay, they're all together seeking the Lord, admitting that they can't do this without him. It's a community affair. We were never intended to trust God's word in isolation, ever. We are meant to trust him in community. And that's been the case from the beginning. But sometimes in our individualistic context, it's easy to forget that. You see, we have the unique privilege of being able to order a Bible on Amazon and receive it on our front door within 48 hours, I think even within 24 hours now. We take it to our kitchen, we pour a cup of coffee, we might even snap a picture and put it on Facebook, and then we study it by ourselves. But that's not necessarily been the case across redemptive history. And in fact, that's not even currently the reality around much of the world. Don't get me wrong, that's amazing. I'm so grateful that we have God's word in our hands and that we can study it and pray through it and know it in the comfort of our own living room, okay? So thank you, Lord, for that. It's not less than that, but it's definitely more than that. Biblical community is necessary for cultivating trust in the Lord. Are you struggling to trust God's word? Get in community. That's why this time even gathering together is so important in the life of our church. There's something special that happens here when we gather together and the spirit is in our midst and we urge each other on to trust God's word. Uh, Amy and I have this pact that we are uh, not allowed to both be struggling with something at the same time, okay? So sometimes if I'm struggling, she'll go, uh, wait, hold on a second, you can't struggle with that. I'm struggling with that. You're gonna need to suck it up. Because we, we just, we don't wanna do that. And you're like, well, why? That seems cute, but is that really practical? Maybe not. But the point is, is that when one is struggling to trust, the others are coming alongside of and encouraging them and loving them and pointing them to truth and helping. And this can't happen without community. This can't happen if we're just showing up and attending a church service. It takes active participation and ownership in a local body of believers pouring out and being poured into. First thing they do in this prayer is they admit that they can't do it without God's help. The next thing they do is they reflect. They reflect. Look down through uh, verses five through 12. This is so cool. Uh, in verse six, Jehoshaphat says, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdom of the, of the nation. In this prayer, they start reflecting on who God is and what he has done. Here in this verse, they reflect on God's sovereignty and his power. 
Down in verse seven, they reflect on his covenant to them and his goodness and his grace and even his generosity and his good gifts. Uh, down in verse nine, they reflect on his glory, right? They're, they're putting out there in front of themselves who is God. Remember who he is. Remember his character. Don't forget his faithfulness. So they, they admit that they can't do it. They reflect on who he is and what he has done. And next they ask, look down at verse 12. They say, oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? Like they're like, God, won't you vindicate your name? Will you show up and work as only you can? The last thing they do in their prayers, they expect. They expect, look at verse nine at the end of it. It says, for your name is in this house and we cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and you will save. In verse 12, they say, we don't know what to do, but what? But our eyes are on you. They are anticipating how God would work for their good and for his glory. Matthew Henry wrote this about this verse. He says, our eyes are upon thee. We rely upon thee. And from thee is all our expectation. The disease seems desperate. We know not what to do. We are quite at a loss and we are in a great strait. But this is a sovereign remedy. Our eyes are upon thee. An eye of acknowledgement and humble submission. An eye of faith and entire dependence. An eye of desire and hearty prayer. An eye of hope and patient expectation. In thee, O God, do we put our trust. Our souls wait on thee. How do we actually trust God's word? First, we turn to him in prayer. We admit that we can't do it, that we need him. We reflect on who he is and what he has done. We ask him to work as only he can and we expect that he will work for his good and for his glory, for our good and for his glory according to his sovereign plan. We turn to him in prayer. Second, how do we actually trust God's word? We cling to promises from his word. We cling to specific promises from his word. Look at verse 13. It says this, Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid 
Do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they'll come up from the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jeruel. And you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Oh, Jerusalem and Judah, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. You see, the verse 20 that says, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. That trust is based on a specific promise from God through his prophet. God reveals himself through his word directly in answer to the prayers of Jehoshaphat and Judah. This is not a blind leap in the dark for them. They don't have to fear because they're holding on to promises from the Lord, their trustworthy God. I love here too, the word of God that he gives them. Look at verse 15. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. Don't be dismayed. The battle's not yours, but God's. Look at verse 17. Tomorrow you go out against them. Why can I do that? Because the Lord will be with you of all the things that he could have told them on that day by his word through his prophet. He shows up as a good father and he answers them by comforting them and guiding them them on what they should do and patiently and lovingly calling them to trust him. He's like, be encouraged. I love you. I'll fight for you. I'm with you. I read this, I thought of that moment with my kids as a father standing at the bottom of the stone cliff, like arms open, saying, just jump. Like wanting so bad for my kids to jump so that I could grab them in my arms and show them my love and show them how trustworthy I am and place them safely on the ground. And God does that here for Judah. How cool. We have a sure, unbreakable, trustworthy word from our good father through his prophets and the apostles in the Bible. We can trust God's word as we cling to specific promises from his word meant for us, meant for his people. And trust is harder when it deals only in generalities, isn't it? Like if I stood at the bottom of that rock and I was like, uh, uh, trust me, kids, jump. And I'm like, why, dad? Uh, just trust me. 
You'll be all right. Like, no, Dad, I'm going to need specifics. Why exactly should we trust you and step off the side of this thing? Thankfully, God gets specific in his word. There are thousands of promises across scripture meant by God to be studied and understood and trusted and treasured as we walk through this life with him. but we have to know them to trust them. And sometimes I think we don't know them because we just kind of approach the Bible lazy, don't we? We want to trust God, but we don't want to put in the work to really know and understand his promises. There are promises here in his word for us to cling to if we will discipline ourselves to a life of studying and understanding and applying them in their proper context. And even cooler, like think about this, how much more reason do we have to trust the promises of God where we're situated in redemptive history, right? We live post Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. And we have the completed canon of scripture available to us that testifies to these events. And we can see in here how Christ fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies and predictions and how all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. Whatever you are facing in life, you can trust specific promises from him in his word whether you are fearful or sad or lonely or if you're struggling with sin or hopeless or struggling to trust God's word, he graciously gives us promises in his word that we can confidently hold on to for help and for hope. Like Jehoshaphat and Judah standing on the edge of the battlefield, facing a seemingly unbeatable enemy. We can trust in the Lord as we embrace specific promises from his word. He has promised and he will accomplish. How do we trust God's word? We turn to him in prayer. We hold on to specific promises from his word. Next, how do we trust God's word? We put into practice what he commands. We put into practice what he commands. Look at verse 18 here in this passage. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And, verse 20, and they rose early in the morning and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. They got up in the morning and they went to the battlefield. Jehoshaphat and Judah acted 
in obedience to the word of the Lord. They, they stepped out in faith. They humbly prayed, they admitted, they reflected, they asked, they expected, and then they trusted his promises. Specifically, the promises here were that the battle would be the Lord's and they wouldn't have to fight and that he would be with them. And what did they do? They stepped out in obedience to that word. We're to do the same thing. Lord, help us. We cling to your promises and then we choose to act, to put into practice what he tells us to do. We read the word, we study it, we learn the meaning, and then we do it. Trust is affirmed and cultivated as we walk in obedience to his word. Little steps of obedience. One at a time. We step into them and then God uses that to move us to trust as we step out and see his faithfulness and see his plan unfold in our lives. See, I can stand at the bottom of the rock with my kids at the top and I can try to convince them all day long from the bottom that I am trustworthy, that I'll catch them, that I'll not let them fall and they can know that to be true in reflection and they can ask me to not drop them and they can hear and understand my promise that I won't. They can hear their mother testify to my trustworthiness, hopefully. They can even hear my command to just do it. And they can expect that I will. But they won't experience the joy of that until they step off that edge into my arms. And then again. And then again. How do we actually trust God's word? We turn to him in prayer. We cling to his promises. We put into practice his commands. And lastly, we praise him. We praise him. Praise is a crucial part of this walk of trust in the Lord. Look at verse 18 again. Jehoshaphat bowed his head to the ground with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord worshiping the Lord with a very loud voice what I love about this is they're actually praising the Lord here before the victory of the battle right they haven't got into the battle yet they haven't seen the Lord accomplish what he said he was going to accomplish in the battle yet, but they're already worshiping. Why? They're worshiping him simply for his word, right? He showed up in answer to their prayers with his word, with his promises, and he wasn't silent. And so they worship him. Look down in verse 21, not only do they praise him before they go into battle, they praise him as they step out into obedience in the battle. Verse 21, and when he had taken counsel with the people, 
he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army. And to say, Psalm 136, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. So they praise before they go, just for the word of the Lord. They praise as they step out into obedience of what the Lord has told them to do. And then lastly, they praise after. Look down at verse 27. And when they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord and the fear of God came on all the, all the kingdoms of the countries where they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for God gave him rest all around. They are praising the Lord every step of this walk of trust, before, during, and after. Tre trusting God's word is worship. Verse 20, believe in the Lord your God. Believe his prophets, believe his word. How do I get there today? This isn't a secret formula where all of a sudden it's like, wham, I trust the Lord perfectly. It's a walk. We live a life of trusting God's word by regularly, daily, moment by moment by moment, turning to him in prayer, admitting, reflecting, asking, expecting, clinging to his specific promises, putting into practice his commands and praising him every single step. Prayer, promises, practice, praise. Nate, how do I trust God's word tomorrow? Prayer, promises, practice, praise. How about when that horrible thing happens, prayer, promises, practice, praise. How about when I'm doubting prayer, promises, practice, praise. It's not an event. It's a walk with him. Well, this year, we set out to have our sermon series this come around our new church name, Radiant Bible Church. So we started the year with Radiant God grasping his greatness. Uh, the last seven weeks have been Radiant God trusting his word. Starting next week, the last word in our name, church, we're gonna be starting a new sermon series called Radiant God Being His People. Woo! 
<laughs> and we are gonna take the next several months to walk as a church family through the book of James together. And I'm looking forward to it. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. Thank you that we get together today in different places, but together in heart, Lord. Lord, we, we can't do this without you. Lord, we don't want to do any of this without you. We, we need you. No, you are awesome and you are with us and you are hearing our prayers and we ask that you would help us to trust your word. Help us daily, moment by moment, to look into your word, to trust specific promises to us from it, Lord, and to walk in faith and in trust of you by your word. Thank you for giving your word to us. Help us in so many ways. We praise you for the fact that we can actually hold your word in our hands. And we don't have to guess at what you've said or what you want or you've told us. And we can know of you and we can have relationship with you as we walk in trust of what you've given us in it. Help us by the power of your spirit. We love you so very much. In Jesus' name, amen.